Hello, I'm Lucia Larezza and you're listening to XBGM Radio. Welcome to XVGM Radio, where the bits keep coming. I'm Justin. And I'm Mike. And this is episode 64, Classics vs. Covers with Lucia Lorezza. I'm very excited today because we are bringing in a musician. And normally, like, we've been bringing in a lot of, like, like rock bands, metal bands, hard rock bands. You know, we had Lame Genie, we had uh, Super Thrash Brothers, and they're great and all, but we wanted to diversify. And <laughs> uh, we found somebody actually through conversation, mutual conversation, that is just perfect for our show. So we wanted to bring her on. So today we have Lucia Larezza. Yeah. How's that? Good? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Good. <laughs> awesome. I, I guess what we'll do is we'll let Lucia tell us a little bit about what she does. So first off, we wanted to thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about uh, what uh, you bring to the table in the music world. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, so as you said, I'm Lucia. I am a professional violinist. I record the violin tracks from home for composers and arrangers from all over the world. I have a big, big passion for video games music. So as you know, and as you will hear, um, I record a lot of video games cover in various uh, genres and obviously with my violin. Also, I, I'm starting to compose violin music for video games so oh wow that's awesome cool <laughs> yeah. so we can, so so when you get something released in a in a video game it definitely let us know because we, we could have you back on not only as a musician but as, as a composer, composer of yeah. a video game soundtrack absolutely i'm working on it so little by little i will arrive there <laughs> that's very cool very awesome. exciting yeah so Thanks. the tr- the track that we brought the show in on uh, is from Resident Evil 2, which came out on the PlayStation 1 in 1998. And that is the save room, or it's also called a secure place or just secure place. 
And uh, the original composer on that one is Masami Ueda, who mm-hmm. we'll talk about in just a bit. So we played, very similar to our Lame Genie episode, we played Lucia's version, and then we also okay. played uh, Ma- Masami Ueda's version, uh, kind of back to back, so that way you can get an idea for what the, the two sound like head to head. I don't know, what what are your thoughts on, on this one, Justin? I am always kind of going to default to the classical or the strings version of, of a cover. There's just something about it. I don't think I've ever heard of a cover like that that hasn't just worked uh, like no matter what it is if it's like a uh, like a fight theme or a ballad or whatnot violins like i can't i play a bunch of instruments but i cannot play a violin <laughs> to save my life so maybe it's the mysticism there or, or what it is whatever it is but like i love the sound of the violin and i it it always brings something new to a to a track i mean unless the track was already a violin track but this wasn't right um so yeah i just i really enjoyed the feel and what What's really cool about Lucia's version is like it's it's from Resident Evil Two, so the you know the music is kind of haunting, kind of spooky, and she, she kept mm-hmm. all of that in there. Like it was all I heard was violins. I, I, some of the other songs you'll hear there's there's a lot more uh, there's a lot more to the instrumentation, but this was I think just violins, and it was so haunting and just awesome. <laughs> so good job. Thank you so much. Yes, I basically used the all violin sounds to to make it all scary. Also, with a lot, a lot of strange effects to to keep it really, you know, like real dark. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wanted to keep the the same environment of the video game, basically. I think you nailed yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that haunting is the perfect word for this. Mm-hmm. It sounds very dark, and it sounds very solitary as well based on the fact that you just have those violins was it multiple violins kind of layered on top of one another or was it just like one yes it was uh, layered a lot of violin layered okay yeah that's what i figured because i was listening to it and i'm like this sounds like more than one it sounds (laughs) like multiple yeah (laughs) and that's pretty common actually i mean like even in like you know rock bands or metal bands Mm -hmm. or anything like that even though there may be two guitarists they'll have like five or six layered tracks Mm -hmm. on top of it to make it sound more full and more rich and you get you you get that in this uh, Resident Evil 2 uh, save room track so tell us a little bit about your experience with Resident Evil 2 because you you picked this specific song what what drew you to this song I have a really really nice memory about this game because I didn't play it by myself but I watched my uncle play it because I was really, really little. I'm 27 <laughs> years old, so basically I was like uh, five years old in that moment, and <laughs> I I was so scared, but so intrigued by this game about these zombies coming, and uh, I wanted to to keep the same uh, memory alive, to 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 bring it to life again. Because in that moment when I released this song, basically uh, they did the remastered of the game. So I right. wanted to celebrate this this memory of mine with the with the cover. That's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have a ton of questions for Lucia, so don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment. We're going to talk first about Masami Ueda, and then we'll roll into our next track. So Masami Ueda started off working on the very first Resident Evil, doing composition and arrangement, and then followed it up with Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis. They worked on a bunch of stuff, but mainly stuck with Capcom, uh, as well as 
Clover Studios working on stuff like Beautiful Joe, Beautiful Joe 2, and later they ended up working for Platinum Games doing games like Transformers Devastation, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutants in Manhattan in 2016. They did a lot of implementation in the music, that's what they're credited for, but their last composing soundtrack was Resident Evil 3 Remake in 2020. Nice, nice. Yeah. Justin, what do you think? Should we get into the next track? We should move on to our first track. So, just to remind everybody, uh, Lucia picked five tracks that we're going to play, uh, and then Mike and I have picked the uh, the original in-game tracks to put them back-to-back. So, we are going to listen to right now from Lucia, the Tetris theme, uh, and then we'll follow that up with the original from Tetris on the Game Boy, came out in 1988, A-type music composed by Hirokazu Tanaka. And that, in turn, was actually an original Russian composition called Koro Beniki, and the composer of that song, we don't know who did it. So, enjoy. <laughs> back so that version that we just heard of the tetris theme was by lucia our guest of honor and now we're going to hear tetris on the game boy this is the 1989 release the track is called a type music and also known as koro beniki and it's by hirokaza hiptanaka and the original is unknown for the composer Welcome back. That was Tetris on the Game Boy, the 1989 game. And the song was A-Type Music, also known as the original Russian song Korobeniki. And it's uh, the Game Boy version was composed by Hirokazu 
Hip Tanaka. The version that we first heard was uh, our guest of honor, Lucia's version of the Tetris theme, which after going from such a like creepy, somber, solitary track, we go headfirst into this very bouncy, fun, <laughs> original Tetris theme. And it's just like, I think the drums definitely kind of added something to it now do you oh, yeah. do you program those in yourself or do you have somebody playing them or are you playing them how does that work okay basically i play violin and synthesizer this uh, gives me the chance uh, to to play other kinds of instruments with the midi keyboard um, in this case for example i played a lot of violins a lot of cellos because i can change the sound of my violin to violin to cello oh, that's and uh, uh, the drums and the electric guitar are played by a really really great youtuber called DSC Guitar mm. and uh, he, he was really nice and uh, gave me the uh, the privilege to, to take his parts and um, and use them for my cover. Awesome. That's really cool, yeah. Coll collaborations yeah. are awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us about your experience with the original Tetris on on Game Boy, because that's the version uh, that we <laughs> that we played. So did you uh, did you play it mostly on the Game Boy, or how how, how often did you play it? Or tell us your oh. experience. <laughs> It was like a drug, basically. Uh, I was <laughs> I was really little. Game Boy was not my first console, but one I used the most when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old. Mm. And uh, the Tetris game, like the Pokemon game, was one of the games that took uh, maybe all my childhood, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, I I know many people uh, in a very very similar situation. <laughs> Just so much Tetris. <laughs> it was a fun game. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe too I mean, much. Yeah, yeah. I I don't even remember my first experience with Tetris. It's so weird. It's like. Tetris is one of those games that just gets ingrained in who you are as a gamer. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you, you know, we've all played like different versions. I would say for me personally, the, the one that really stood out to me was Tetris DS. That was the one that I probably played the most out of all the, the versions. But Tetris on the Game Boy, it just it's so iconic. And and pretty much anybody who owned a Game Boy, like this is one of those games that you just had to have. You had to have it even if you didn't play it. You know, it was that iconic. I'm pretty sure it was yeah. part of a bundle deal at some point. Yeah, I think so. Real quick about Hip Tanaka, uh, who we've talked about before on the on the show, <laughs> but I figure I figure we'll talk about him first, and then we'll we'll go to some interview questions. His first composition was Space Firebird in 1980, probably just doing like sound effects or like some little blips and bleeps for that. Wild Gunman, Donkey Kong Three, uh, Duck Hunt. Hogan's Alley, Ice Climber, I mean, just so many. Metroid is one of the big ones, Kid Icarus. Earthbound, he did musical effects on in 1989 in the original, uh, which was called Mother. Mm -hmm. And Super Mario Land. I mean, just like, he's so ingrained in video game music that, uh, <laughs> at least for an, a Nintendo specifically, um, I probably remember him most fondly, other than Metroid, for Mario Paint, which he did in 1992. Mm -hmm. But his final game was, or at least not final, but his latest game was Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo 3DS, where he did musical arrangement for certain tracks. Yeah, and and, and so this track, I don't think we've talked about it yet. I, I, it's so classic and so iconic. It's it's kind of like 
I want to say almost like a default. Uh, if, if you're if you're going to do video game music, uh, like everybody, I feel has a version of the Tetris theme. It's it's just so catchy and so poppy. Uh, I mean, I only ever have to hear the first few notes before it's just stuck in my head for months on end. Um, <laughs> but I, I I really enjoyed like what you brought into it. It was spot on for what we heard on the Game Boy version. Uh, I mean, obviously it's very chippy uh, because it's coming off of the Game Boy, but your your version sounded so much like that that I mean, a lot of a lot of the other ones do, but I, I don't know. Like, I just love that the 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 sound behind it again we're going back to my love of violin so uh i, I shouldn't just repeat myself but uh I, I i just enjoyed what you did with it thank you so much yeah absolutely it was it was really fun to listen to it was very very fun and bouncy as as i was saying earlier mm-hmm. i just that that's the thing that i really took away from it i mean i was bobbing my head just listening to it like yeah all right this is tetris <laughs> and then when the original came in just to kind of compare the original it it you know it's really tough to compare uh, such like high quality like actual <laughs> instruments to yeah. chip tunes because you're always going to have that separation of like you know these are blips and bleeps and bloops versus like actual real musical in- instruments so it just kind of sounded very cold in-, in comparison and not as fun and not as upbeat and so it really does take on that that more Russian version uh, from the original, the Koro Beniki, which unfortunately we don't have a composer for. But uh, yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of, of that original version a little bit more than your version, which mm. is just like a, a jazzy fun thing <laughs> that you put out. Yeah. So let's talk about your musical background for a bit. How, did, how exactly did you get into music? When did you start playing instruments? Nice question. Um, my father bringed me to a live concert and I was like seven years old and uh, it was a music completely opposite from the violin. It was like a alternative rock music. So I, I had so much fun <laughs> in that concert that in from that moment on, I wanted to play a, 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 not a violin, but an instrument, a musical <laughs> instrument. Then we we went to a music school and uh, I wanted to start uh, with the, the the double bass, you know, the, the big one, <laughs> the big 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 violin. Yeah. So my father said, "No, you're too too little. Just just choose this. <laughs> this is a little version of the double bass." <laughs> so <laughs> I started with the the violin and I never uh, left him. <laughs> Wow, that's really cool. It's it's funny that he had to kind of stop you and be like, "Whoa, whoa, hold on! You can't even reach the, the top say, there. You gotta it's bigger than you. Gotta grow up a little bit before you do that one." Yeah, you know, I was seven years old, so I was like less than one meter high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow! And Every then... day I'm thankful. <laughs> and then, as far as the music that you're doing now, what would you say are your influences? Are there any other musicians or? artists out there that influence the work that you're doing? Absolutely. First of all, it's the composer that signed completely my life and my existence. So Nobuo Utematsu completely changed (laughs) my way of thinking about music and everything. And the second big, big one, the musician that changed my mind is Lindsay Starling. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 
she she's my muse basically <laughs> you kind of saw her and and you were like oh i want to do what she does yes right, <laughs> basically, right. yes that's really cool yeah I, you know video games you know yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah, she kind of i mean i've seen some of her stuff and she does cover video game stuff too she did uh zelda yeah uh, dragon age and skyrim probably yep, yep. right right well, you're shooting for the star, so that's all you need to do. You'll you'll be right. You'll be playing, headlining headlining right there with her. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Once once we can start uh, doing like so, uh, uh, what like video game conventions and and gatherings and stuff again, or the I, uh, like, I, the I did, live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Since I started playing Final Fantasy VII on my PlayStation One. I started to elaborate this uh, this thinking. Then I went to my first comic conventions with video game things, video game shows. I was completely stunned by the beauty <laughs> of this world. And uh, yeah, uh, it, it was an idea that started from a little idea and then grew uh, while I was growing, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Uh, Justin, I, I know, also has a, a shared appreciation and love of Uimatsu. I do yes. too. I, you know, I love Uimatsu <laughs> I say, as well. Like, but we're, we're all fans uh, I, here. <laughs> I, I, I know that Justin's, uh, I think, a little bit more of a fanboy for uh, for Uimatsu than I am. <laughs> sure, sure. Just a, just, a, just a wee bit, right, Justin? Uh, I mean, if you say so. <laughs> I mean, I think there was at, at one point in time we were listening to. Uimatsu music like almost every episode for like at least five or six episodes oh, in a row. Yeah, Great. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good I, boy. Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I try not to go overboard with it because I don't want to drown our fans in Uimatsu, but uh, I, he... Yeah, I, when you said like he changed your your mind or he changed your life with the, the thought of like video game music, the, the similar thing happened with me. I yeah. I grew up just enjoying a lot of classical music, a lot of a, a bit of rock and, and whatever else, and I play a lot of. So, yeah, I play some um, like orchestral instruments, um, like clarinet mm. and, and a few other things. And so when I first heard, I think the soundtrack to Final Fantasy VII, like I had played Final Fantasy One and Three in America, mm. which was six everywhere else, and the music was great. But it wasn't until like seven and eight when the music got more orchestral that I was just like, wow, there's there's something there's something else here. So it I commiserate with your uh, your love of Nobuo Uramatsu. <laughs> I gotta wonder... I feel you. I, I gotta wonder like how many similar situations that uh, that he has inspired. Because, I mean, you know, we got, we got two out of three right here on this episode. So, I mean, there's gotta be, like, you know, close to hundreds of thousands of millions of people. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. It's yeah. God, basically. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, awesome. So, speaking of Be Nobuo Uramatsu, exactly. we are going to get into our next track. So, we're going to listen to Aerith's theme from Final Fantasy VII as played by Lucia Lorenza. Uh, and then, of course, we will listen to the original by none other than Nobuo Uramatsu. So, let's give that a listen.
All right, that was Lucia's version of Aerith's theme for Final Fantasy VII. Uh, we're going to be listening to the original Final Fantasy VII track, which is Aerith's theme. came out on the PlayStation 1 in 1997, and that was done by Nobuo Uematsu.
All right, we are back. That was Aerith's theme that came out in 1997 for the PlayStation 1. The game, the legendary Final Fantasy VII, and the composition by Nobuo Uematsu, and of course, the original composition from uh, Lucia which is the version that we heard first. I got to say, I, I like that flourish in the beginning with the uh, the violins. And then it, it was different because it gave like an original kind of intro to this very classic Final Fantasy song that we've all heard, mil- you know, millions of billions of times. And to hear it roll into this this version that just sounds obviously so much more rich than what MIDI can output. Mm. Uh, it just was so well done uh, there's one part in particular that really kind of made my kind of tugged at the heartstrings a little bit the part right when it comes in when it's like da, 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 like that mm-hmm. that that just that whole when there's high highs and low lows with the song it mm. always grips me and to hear it with such uh with actual instruments is always a something that i, I guess the only comparison that I have is when I heard in Final Fantasy VII Remake, yes. when I heard, when I heard <laughs> the original opening for it, <laughs> right when right before the train's coming in. Mm. Oh, man, I, I was seriously, I was smiling, but I was definitely tearing up. Yeah. And I think, Justin, I think you and I were talking about that. We were both like, did you tear up at the beginning? <laughs> yeah, I did too, man. Yeah, I totally <laughs> teared up. Like, so good. Um, yeah. I, so I, I love that you mentioned Final Fantasy VII Remake because uh, that that's yeah. actually something that I wanted to, to mention here too. So Eris theme, as we all know, is very somber, very heartfelt, and I think that really came through in uh, in your version, Lucia, uh, because for the entire song, it's just it it's dripping with emotion. And then at the end, there's this like Mike's talking about the flourish at the beginning. There's this flourish at the end that where it kind of picks up and gets a little bit more upbeat before slowing down again and finally ending. And that little bit triggered this entire thing in my brain. Uh, the, so having played Final Fantasy VII Remake, I feel like there's a certain funness to Aerith that wasn't really there. In the original like she was fun but they get they can get more into the characters now with the remake yeah. so i feel like there's yeah. this this fun thing about her and that's exactly what your little like upbeat flourish at the end felt like to me it felt like you were adding a little bit of final fantasy 7 remake Aerith to Aerith's theme whether you were or not yeah. that's just what happened in in my my brain and my heart <laughs> Basically, you t- you told everything I wanted to achieve with this song. <laughs> Great! Success. I'm so happy to hear it. <laughs> Absolutely! Oh, I I love this so much. The toughest thing about this song is that anytime I have to pronounce it, I always want to say Eris's theme because he, at least here in the in US, the US, yeah, it. Mm-hmm. it it was always Eris, Eris, A-E-R-I-S. And then <laughs> yeah. there was that wave of people that were just like, no, man, it's Eris. You got to, you like, <laughs> well, that's you what, know. That's what it was in Europe. Pronounce it pretty much everywhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, but uh, in Italy, for example, we have another pronunciation. Uh, we we call it Erit with the T because oh. in Italy we pronounce the T. Okay. Oh. For example, so uh, <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> every every country has a <laughs> yeah, yeah. problem with pronunciation. <laughs> 
I don't think we need to talk too much about the game itself and our experiences about it because we did an entire episode with Justin from not not my Justin, Justin, Justin Night of the Round from uh, Night Night of the Round. Yes. Right, right. Well, so we we did that whole episode with him. Yeah, I mean, we 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 got to talk a lot about it in that episode, but uh, yeah. I don't think Lucio was in that episode. So she was be- not. Before, yeah, we need to find out all about her uh, like her I, experiences I, with exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, this is one of my first video games ever, and also the video game with what I learned more English than in my entire <laughs> life, basically, because oh, wow. I was really, really little, and I was Italian. I am Italian, so <laughs> <laughs> basically, for uh, like eight, nine years old uh, child uh, with another language to read uh, this this game, to see this game all completely in English, I maybe I understood uh, uh, half of the game at that <laughs> time. <laughs> but still, I will never forget the emotion of the death of Iris. Iris or how you want to call it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And for me, it was not crying. I was happy in that moment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Because um, when I was little, I... um, I didn't like the color pink and she was always <laughs> always dressed with pink because yeah. she was like e- pure evil when when Sephiroth comes and bam I was like yes <laughs> wow you have a vicious streak <laughs> like no That's more funny. pink in my party hooray <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I think I think our audience knows how Justin and I line up with this. I am, of course, Team Tifa, mm-hmm. and, and Justin is, of course, Team Team Aerith. This thing could bring it to another kind of uh, of big conversation, but maybe it's better to not open up that, that <laughs> black space. Yeah, we'll open up the floodgates on that one. <laughs> Uh-huh. But yeah, basically I was Team Tifa too, but no, uh, I was Team Sephiroth basically. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Fair it enough. was my first, my first true love. That's I'm awesome. Guys. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't hear too much. Uh, like I know there's a big fangirl community for for uh, Final Fantasy VII, uh, and really for just Final Fantasy in general, because the games. Mm. Uh, you know, really connect with female audiences, but it's always interesting to hear uh, what guy, you know, so, uh, the women, you know, that prefer guys, you know, or, or interesting guys, you know, prefer. Because, like, I, <laughs> you would, you would think, like, you know, they'd be Team Cloud, you know, because that whole, you know, love triangle with the mm. three, you know, you know, with Cloud, Tifa, Eris, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But then you, then you get like Vincent in the mix too. <laughs> And yes, I've talked exactly. to a, I've talked to a lot of girls that are like, oh, I'm Team Vincent. I, I dated so, a few yeah. girls that were Team Vincent. Did you? Yeah. There is well, also there, there is also there is also Team Zach. Eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Team Zach. Yeah. So so to hear somebody go like, oh yeah, Team Sephiroth, like the bad guy. That's like so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about your history with video games. I'm curious, what was the first console that you remember? owning or 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 being in your life 
my first true love, <laughs> uh, let's call it console, but I call it true love, was PlayStation 1. Mm. And uh, I started with PlayStation 1 and I never, never left Sony, ever, <laughs> like my violin. PlayStation 1, 2, 3, 4, and then we will see if I will take the 5, uh, you know. Not right. so far future. <laughs> yeah. Hard to come by right now at this, at this particular moment in time. Right, yeah. The, as we're recording this, the PlayStation 5 came out a few <laughs> days ago, so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So you would say the the PlayStation is probably your favorite console as well? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's because uh, probably because I started with this kind of uh, uh, joypad and mm-hmm. uh, this kind of games. So basically, I was more uh, for uh, adventure game, platform game, not so much for uh, war game, not so much for uh, car games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, for PlayStation, you know, there was always the, the platform uh, uh, predictability. So basically, Spyro, Crash Bandicoot, yeah. and so on. So when I was little, I preferred that and RPGs. Uh, <laughs> then, uh, after a lot of time, uh, they come out with uh, a game called Bloodborne. <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> it's basically. <laughs> by one one of my favorite 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 games always it's it's bloodborne because it reminds me so much how difficult it is to learn violin so in the difficulty <laughs> of that game i see all my life <laughs> <laughs> and, and it, it's for ps4 so mm-hmm. always sony <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have Bloodborne. Uh, I am not very good at it. I, I did enjoy what I played. Um, I have not beaten it, but it is it is very difficult. So the you're, so yeah. you you would compare learning how to play the violin with playing Bloodborne? Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I uh, I the violin has always intimidated me. Like I, I play guitar, but you know there's no frets on a violin, and you just need to know what you're doing and where where your like where your fingers are going, as far as I can tell. And that just intimidates the heck out of me <laughs> i mean uh, all of it intimidates me except for drums because i'm a drummer so you know for just all of it is just so far out of my reach i'm just like nah i'm good i'm just gonna stay here with the drums i'm good maybe bass i might i might i might be interested in like learning bass guitar but hmm. that's that's pretty much it oh that's really nice i played uh, bass guitar when i was at high school it was really really cool oh, oh that's cool in like yeah. a jazz band sort of thing I was in a um, really metal, metal, power, super, mega, power, metal oh, nice. uh, band. Or something. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> right on. Very cool. That's right that's up right my alley. alley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So it sounds like Bloodborne is your favorite game. Uh, do you have a favorite game series? Would, would you just stop at Bloodborne? Or is there like a, a series of games that, you, uh, that, you, that uh, are your favorite? Yeah, Souls-like. Basically, mm-hmm. Dark Souls 1, 2, 3. Oh, wow. I have... Uh, to play Demon Souls, I will play it. And mm-hmm. I think I will love it. The remake, they they did. Right, for I'm, PS5. I'm sure you will. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. So, how would you describe the music that you typically create uh, for? You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be video game music yes. or the video game covers, but just the music in general that you that you typically create. Uh, basically, I would describe it uh, like. Uh, a hug 
<laughs> like a hug? <laughs> I know, I know it seems strange, but it is not because uh, the purpose of my music always, always is to not let people feel alone, especially mm. for people like us, video games uh, uh, fans uh, or uh, like in general people that uh, is not seen so in a good way by society. So my music uh, uh, wants to uh, to to comfort uh, mm. people who feels alone in uh, in this place called world. <laughs> That's amazing, that's, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's pretty deep, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the best answer to a question we've ever had. Yeah, right? Wow. I would say, thus far, uh, your your music has accomplished its goal, especially with that last track. We we getting hugged, Justin. We, we, we are. Hugged. We're getting very hugged. Um, that's right. And, Great. And and also to uh, to bring up something we just talked about, we can we should get into the to our next track because uh, we were just talking about Bloodborne, and next up is actually a Bloodborne medley by Lucia. The medley is made up of the main theme and uh, the the Geherman theme, uh, and then after that you'll hear the main theme, uh, which is just called Bloodborne, uh, the original composition. So let's listen to those.
All right, you just heard Lucia's Bloodborne Melody, which is comprised of the main theme and Geherman. And now we're going to hear the original Bloodborne soundtrack song, Bloodborne, which is the main theme. And that came out on the PlayStation 4 in 2017. The composition is by Ryan Amon, Tsukasa Saito, Yuka Kitamura, Nobuyushi Suzuki, Chris Valesco, and Michael Wandmacher. We are back. That was Bloodborne, the PlayStation 4 game that came out in 2017. And again, the track Bloodborne, which is also the main theme by Ryan Amon, Tsukasa Saito, Yuka Kitamura, Nobuyushi Suzuki, Chris Valesco, and Michael Wanmacher. And that was following Lucia's Bloodborne Medley, which is comprised of the main theme that we just heard, as well as Geherman. Yeah. This was so cool. So as Mike was talking about with us during the break, we played them back to back for us. And he actually had trouble discerning where hers stopped and the the original began. And I think that's a major credit to to you. (laughs) Just he's like, well. (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, it changed at some point, but but where was that change? <laughs> so. I mean, I was digging it the entire yes. way through, and then I was like, I heard the female vocals, and I was like, wait, was that her? 
And I was like, wow, she's got a good point too. I was like, cool. And and so no, it was like one of those. <laughs> I was like, well, where did it stop? Where did it end? So that it was cool. So you guys at home listening or wherever you are, you'll of course have that separation. But for us, the whole thing melded together. <laughs> and uh, I will say the the initial beginning part kind of felt a little bit Nightmare Before Christmassy. With yes. with the with the vibe, mm, I, I was getting that vibe initially, <laughs> and then when it kind of transitioned into the remainder of the song, I was like, okay, I was like, we just played Bloodborne on uh, on the Spooky Fest episode, so we just recently talked about this game, and it was one of those things where we were kind of going back and forth, and I was like, oh, do I want to play this game? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I have not played Dark Souls; I've only seen mm. someone <laughs> briefly play Dark Souls, and I was like, oh, this game is not for me. But at the same time, like talking to Justin that kind of made me feel like I shouldn't play this game but I hear this music (laughs) and I'm like oh man the music's so good so it's like one of those tough things where I'm like torn and especially after hearing your medley here I'm like man this music is so good in this game I want to experience it in the game so it's it's one of those things that it's kind of tough for me personally but uh, tell us about your experience with this one Basically, Bloodburn was a present of one of my biggest friends in Italy, and since when I started to play it, to the end of the game, it is a Souls-like, so basically uh, you can finish the game and do it again in a more difficult level, NG+, is called, New Game+. Plus. And since then I never stopped to play it, and <laughs> it was just like Tetris, a complete drug, not, not only for the music, that is genius, mm-hmm. also for the ar- architecture of mm. all the game, all the ambience, all the sounds, all the kind of bosses, all the story, because it's a really complicated story <laughs> with a lot of little stories inside. Uh, it, it brings you to another world, uh, making you uh, completely forget about your problems in life in general. So it was like a, a, a big journey for me. Mm. Very cool. Yeah. As soon as you mentioned the architecture, I, I, I remembered yeah. like it's everywhere. The settings and the environments in this game are honestly beautiful. I mean, some of them are horrifying, but they're so detailed. Uh, it, it's yeah. yeah, it's very immersive. I get the vibe in this game that the difficulty, most people that I talk to about this game, the difficulty is like the only thing that they talk about. <laughs> but I'm always one of those types of people that tries to look at something other than what everyone else talks about in a game. So yeah. with with the music, how do you feel like when you were listening to this music and you were trying to pick specific songs to cover, what was it about these two songs that really kind of made you go, okay, these two, I got to cover these? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, the main theme, it's the song that I heard for the first time at the E3 when they presented the game. Okay. And uh, it made me have goosebumps. <laughs> it was like, yes, I want to play this song. Mm-hmm. The second song I choose it's from the ending boss and uh, it is like a, a revelation in the plot. I don't want to spoiler anything to you, so <laughs> I will not take it in details. But you discover something that uh, makes you understand all the game you played just oh. at the end and you hear this song. It's okay, I already uh... know the spoiler. 
I, I already know. <laughs> I, I already know the Eris dies at the end. I already know. Jeez. <laughs> Very cool. So tell us when you're putting uh, one of these medleys together or even composing something original, what is your creative process like? Like, What do you do to, to get into the mindset and how does that work for you? Basically, I first chose the songs uh, as I explained to you for Bloodborne, I did it for every other video game song. <laughs> I chose it by heart. Then after I play my violin with the original uh, song to understand more the vibe, to enter in the vibe of the game. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I also play again the game to, to understand uh, more the feelings. Then I open my DAW, my program to, to record, and I start to create some ambient sound with my synthesizer. After I play the main theme with my violin, and uh, I put more and more layers of things that uh, uh, gives me the right vibe to continue. Very cool. Nice. So you talked a little bit about Lindsay Sterling earlier, but I'm curious, who would you most like to collaborate with? Either musical performers or any kind of inspirations that you have? Like who, who would be your go-to to collaborate with for like a future mm -hmm. track? For sure, I would uh, more likely collaborate with composers of big video games uh, uh, that changed my life. Like I said, Nobuo Uematsu, first of all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I could die the day after. I would be happy, okay. I finished my life now, okay. <laughs> then uh, I would like so, so much to play something with uh, the piano guys i don't know if you know them they are uh, really good good uh, musicians content creators and arrangers on youtube they're called the piano guys that's their mm -hmm. yeah the name. piano guys oh, okay yes. last but not least i would like a lot to play with Lindsay starling <laughs> <laughs> of course obviously yes. That'd be awesome. Dual violins. It'd be like it'd awesome. be like Deliverance, but like not creepy. Oh my god! <laughs> with, yeah. With the, with the dueling banjos. Exactly. <laughs> dueling violins. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Very cool. All right. So these composers for Bloodborne, I'm just going to tackle these and do like maybe two or three games that they've done. The very first composer, Ryan Amon, that's very easy to do because he's only done Assassin's Creed Unity in 2014 and Bloodborne. So nice and easy there. <laughs> Tsukasa Saito started off in 1998 with Echo Knight. I believe we talked about him before because we went over these composers on the Spooky Fest episode. Correct, yep. So I'll pick two other random games. Uh, Otogi 2 Immortal Warriors in 2003. They did production department on the sound section. And uh, let's go Murakumo Renegade Mech Pursuit in 2002. They did production department sound section on that as well, mostly doing like arrangement and, you know, a couple games they did composing on, uh, but they've, they seem to be mostly like as part as part of design and uh, direction, so to speak, as far as music goes. Mm. The last of my three are Yuka Kitamura, and they started off with Armored Core five in 2012 and then did dark souls 2 in 2014 and dark souls 3 in 2016 so their 
most likely a large part of the influence of the music that you hear with uh, Bloodborne. Yep. And then I have Nobuyoshi Suzuki did sound design for this game for Bloodborne and then did music composition in Dark Souls 3 and then jumped over to Nintendo to do character and sound design in Super Mario Odyssey in 2017 and then most recently sound design on Ring Fit Adventure in 2019. Chris Velasco started out, he's got the most credits here, I think I made mention of that last time, started out doing additional music on Van Helsing in 2004, and then Clive Barker's Jericho in 2007, they did music on, StarCraft II Wings of Liberty, I love that game, they did additional music, and all the way up to 2020, they did music direction for a game called Carrion. And then finally, Michael Wandmacher started out with doing scary music in I Was an Atomic Mutant in 2003, did the original score in Madagascar in 2005, as well as Over the Hedge in 2006. In 2010, they did the music for Singularity, and their most recent composition credit is for Bloodborne. Very cool. I think there's just too much spooky, though. We We gotta tune down a little bit. (laughs) yep so that i think leads us into our next track or set of tracks rather this is going to be lucia's pokemon medley so this is going to be the intro the pokemon center theme the gym battle theme and lavender town and then we're going to follow that up with the intro theme from the original pokemon red and blue in 1998 
All right, you just heard Lucia's medley from Pokemon, and that was the intro, the Poke Center theme, the Gym Battle theme, and Lavender Town theme. We're going to play the original next, but we're only going to be focusing on intro one and two from Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow. Came out on the Game Boy in 1998 with a soundtrack by Junichi Matsuda. We are back, and that was Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow. Came out on the Game Boy in 1998. That was the intro one and two by Junichi Masuda. That followed the previous track, which was the Pokemon Medley by our guest of honor, Lucia. And that was the intro, the Poke Center theme, Gym Battle theme, and Lavender Town theme. I gotta say, I am not really a big Pokemon guy much at all i did play the original like the very first one and i think i preferred yellow just because i really liked pikachu i was like ah, whatever i like yellow (laughs) that's cool but uh i first played red i think and my brother got blue so we kind of you know my brother's like a super big pokemon guy but i just i feel like it's one of those things like generationally wise i just miss because i'm older i'm i'm 37 so (laughs) but regarding this medley it was super fun like it was awesome i loved the medley i i heard the original music you know 
time and time again playing the original, but man, that medley just really uplifted my spirits for not not the entire episode, but like coming from Bloodborne and Aerith's theme, it's more somber. You know, those yeah. are two very somber tracks, very dark yeah. tracks. So this whole episode has been like a giant emotional wave for me because <laughs> it's been like sad and then happy and then sad and sad and then happy. So, yeah. But I, I liked what you did with medleys are always tough because it's like one of those things with transitions where it's tough to go from one track to another. And even though there were some the transitions towards the end, they weren't seamless in the sense that like it to me, it like I recognized when a song stopped, which is good in a way. It didn't meld together, like mush together, like one big track. Like you knew when you heard one part end, you knew the next that was coming right from the first couple of notes. So I think I think you did a good job with, with transitioning those tracks. <laughs> so for one, I love that you kept the Game Freaks logo sound in there at the beginning. Like that's not even yeah. something that, that, that's on the soundtrack, which is just so I had cool. Yeah, no, for serious though. <laughs> like I heard that and like I can just see the Game Freaks logo with the stars and everything else coming down. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. I really enjoyed the backing rock music that you had in there, uh, especially in the opening and, and towards the end. I thought it was just really perfect for what you were doing with it. It gives the track like a real driving feeling, especially in that intro. And then we like slide into that Pokemon Center, and I just it it, it felt really cool that transition from the intro to the Pokemon Center because for whatever reason in my mind, like I said, slide. I mean slide. Like like you're a kid with your Pokeballs, and like I need to heal my Pokemon, so I'm sliding into the Pokemon Center and throwing them at Nurse Joy over the counter and pleading with her to save my life. Fix um, my Pokemon, lady. <laughs> yeah. The the Pokemon Center theme itself is actually a really short loop, and what you did with it, like you added these trills and these flourishes, there was no way I could play the original Pokemon theme against yours because you blew it out of the water. Like, absolutely, what you did with that part of the track was just amazing. And then from there, you kind of like go right into the gym battle theme, which I love the gym battle theme from the original game. We've played it on the show before in one of our previous episodes. The rock metal behind that you had in the in the beginning kind of comes back for for this, and it's a battle theme, so it's it's perfect. It's energetic. It's it's so upbeat. And then you kept the tempo, uh, which I thought was really cool, going from that into the Lavender Town theme, which is <laughs> usually a really slow, creepy song. I get that there's a lot of people that enjoy Lavender Town, some unironically, some ironically, for whatever reason. I've always found it to be like a weird, dissonant track, but you took that, and by keeping the tempo and, and doing what you did, it's still creepy, but it's so much more listenable in your version. Like, I, I enjoy what I'm hearing, whereas with the original, there's just these dissonant pieces that make it creepy, but I don't enjoy it as much. So I really like what you did here. <laughs> Thank you so much. I can't remember. Is Lavender Town late in the game? Because I really just don't remember that at all. I think it's all. middle. It... Yeah, it's near to the end of the game, basically. Oh. oh, okay. Oh, it is near the end. Okay. But, oh, man. I would like to let you know that uh, <laughs> here the guitar part and the drum part are also by DSC guitar, the guitarist that uh, gave me the tracks for Tetris team as well. Mm -hmm. So I want to point it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, I would like to to thank you guys because you, you basically say 
everything of what I want to express with my songs. Everything. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, that that's really cool. Yes. I'm, I'm I'm glad we're uh, I'm I'm glad we're hitting the right notes here, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what was your experience with Pokemon back in the day? I mean, I kind of mm-hmm. talked about how I'm kind of meh about it, and I know Justin's mm-hmm. a fan of the initial generation mm-hmm. and i think he's played like some of the other ones but what what was your experience with pokemon my experience i started to play like when i was 12 years old probably i had my first game boy color and my first pokemon game was pokemon yellow in japanese so basically i didn't understand anything Oh, wow. game, but <laughs> I continued to play for intuition so I saw, okay uh, so if I search for uh, this okay, I attack with this that, okay, basically it was mad, first experience <laughs> then I, I had my Pokemon Gold the one with the second generation and I understood everything because it was in Italian, fortunately So I continued uh, then with the 3DS, so basically I arrived to Pokemon X, so I don't remember what number of uh, generation is, but it's like really far, far, like the 70s of 8th generation probably. Oh yeah, probably like (laughs) what, 3DS I think it came out on, right? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, Pokemon X and Y, that was 2013, I think that is 6th generation. So, Justin, what is your favorite Pokemon? Like, of the original? Like, who, who's your favorite? I'm a simple man. I am a Charmander line. Oh. I, I don't know if Charmander's my favorite or Charizard, but I like the fire types. Okay. Okay. And what about my you, Lucia? Too. It's mm-hmm. the same. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> awesome. I was a big fan of, I mean, like, I also watched the cartoon because, again, my brother was, like, super yeah. into it. So I used to watch the cartoon quite a bit. I really like, is it Shizor? Is that one? Sizor? Sizor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the green one. Yeah, he looked cool. Like he had like uh, mantis arms or whatever. Yeah. With blades. (laughs) He was was always my favorite. And of course, Pikachu. I mean, who doesn't love Pikachu? Ariel doesn't like Pikachu. I agree. (laughs) What? Yeah. That is that is divorce worthy. No, what are you talking about? It, I, I mean, but the way she explains it anyway, it, he he's on the, all the merchandise. He's he's so in your face, like it, uh, and any because he is the most popular Pokemon. She just like she's sick of him. <laughs> I can understand that. I guess I'm, I'm I guess I'm on board with that. All right, you don't have to divorce her. So it's okay. Jesus. <laughs> So, what is one message that you would like to give to any of your fans that are listening? I think we talked about earlier. I I would like to uh, to say it again. This is a really really important thing, especially in these times. I would like to say that people, you are not alone. You will have always someone who understands you perfectly. That's my message. <laughs> yeah. To the space. <laughs> that's, that, that's very fitting. And I think it's needed for, you know, these these crazy times that yeah. we live in in yeah. the year 2020, where we can all look back on this, hopefully maybe next year or the year after or who knows when and yeah. uh, realize how crazy things were and, and how uplifting that sort of a message is. So well mm-hmm. said. Just keep going. Yeah. 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 That's all we can do. 
<laughs> as we speak currently, COVID-19 numbers, uh, at least in the U.S., ransacking the country where uh, wow. uh, to the point where uh, Justin and I are now recording remotely so that uh, we can help continue fighting the good fight of social distancing, wearing masks, yeah. etc. So mm-hmm. we hope everyone is safe and healthy during this crazy time. But yeah, let's not bring down the mood with with that. Yep. Let's move on to our next question. <laughs> Where have you performed your music and uh, what would you say are, are your favorite or least favorite venues? I know we can't all perform in public <laughs> right now, but we could at least look on the past and go, oh yeah, I remember that. That was fun. <laughs> I have performed in uh, a lot of places, like more than 100 probably oh, wow and <laughs> yes i work as a live performance since uh, 2015 so basically it's a lot of time a lot of performances but my favorite absolutely was luca comics and games that is uh, the biggest comic con in italy it was 2018 and i played on the main stage in front of 3,000 people. It was, wow, amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> that must have been yes. some rush. After I played, I get down from the stage and I was crying of happiness. I never did it in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I did it in that moment. It was stunning. Oh, really. for sure. That's really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I believe we are coming to a close with our episode. So we have, I think, a few more questions that we want to get answered, which we'll do in just a minute. But let's move on to uh, our next pick. What what do we have coming up, Justin? Yeah. So we're going to close this out with some Death Stranding music. We're going to listen to Lucia's version of BB's theme. uh, And then we're going to listen to the original on the PS4. Death Stranding came out in 2019. So still called BB's theme and it was composed by Ludwig Forsell. Right, that was uh, Lucia's BB's theme from Death Stranding. That's her version. This is the original Death Stranding from the PlayStation 4 in 2019. The track is BB's theme, and it's by Ludwig Forsell and Jenny Plant, who did vocals. 
All right, you just heard Death Stranding, the PlayStation 4 track, and that came out in 2019. The track name was BB's Theme, and it's by Ludwig Forsell, and the singer on that was Jenny Plant. Right before that, we heard Lucia's take on BB's Theme from Death Stranding. I gotta say, this is tough, because I really liked elements from both, Mm. and to me, it almost felt like they were a remix of the track that you might hear like in the game if Lucia's version was in game let's just say for example then the Death Stranding version sounded like a end credits theme almost mm. almost like a credit roll mm. yeah 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 especially with the vocals and you know uh the the ch- uh, the child in the background like the the baby uh kind of making some baby noises <laughs> so yeah. it really reminded me of more something that you would hear at the end and I haven't played Death Stranding, so I don't know. Maybe that is the end track, but uh, I don't know. What, what do you think about this one, Justin? So I, I, I kind of agree, although I, I, I think I preferred Lucia's version, aside from the violin stuff that I've been talking about this whole time. It mm-hmm. doesn't have the creepy baby sounds, and I, <laughs> I find the baby sounds in the original version to be uh, really unnerving, just weirdly creepy. Um, I did like how the, the main melody, obviously the vocals from the original are the focus of the violin part in, in the cover, but I, I think without having played the game or, or having heard the song very much uh, aside from just now, the words, the lyrics, I they didn't really come through to me, even like whether or not the, those vocals, but like I could hear them, but they didn't really resonate with me. But yeah. the playing that melody on the violin to me felt more soulful than, than the person singing. And that's not giving Jenny plant any guff. I think she has a really great voice and I think she did a really good job, but the violin just shone through more in my mind. I, wow. uh, I, I actually a hundred percent agree with you on that. Like, and again, because I don't have any experience with Death Stranding, I can't really comment on it. But like, I agree that the version that Lucia is bringing us here, it felt more human. Hmm. And that's <laughs> weird when you compare the two, because in one, you've got, you know, child voices, you know, baby voices. You've got a woman singing. And, you know, in the other, there's a completely absent vocals. It's just musical instruments so that says a lot to the testimony of this of this song definitely out of all of the tracks that we've played this one like a hundred percent i prefer lucia's version over the original wow thank you so much guys well absolutely so we haven't played death stranding before have you played this game i started to play two weeks ago I have moments in what I like it a lot. I have moments that it's not taking me so much, but a lot of friends say to me that it's only the start that gives you this sensation. Hmm. Basically, I wanted to play this soundtrack in this moment because the meaning or and, and the environment of the game is the same we have, almost the same, obviously not the same. We have with lockdown in all the places, in Mm. pandemic in all the places, because there is a lot of cities far away one and another, and uh, a few, few people that has to be closed in their houses, and uh, a few delivery men, let's call them like that, Mm -hmm. that brings uh, food necessities and packagings uh, from a big city to another. 
and you are one of the delivery men, basically. <laughs> so this song represents a lot the, the feeling of uh, being in prison, uh, people that have to be closed in their houses, mm. people that doesn't know if having any hope about the future. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Mm. That that lines up with your message from earlier too. So that's really cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so connected. Uh, mm. Yeah. Real quick, the composer Ludwig Forsell did a lot of work with Metal Gear Solid Five, Ground Zeroes, and The Phantom Pain, where they were worked on composition as well as voice on The Phantom Pain. Lollipop Chainsaw was the first game that they worked on. Most likely the non licensed tracks like mm. you know uh, mr sandman and stuff like that so they didn't do that they did the the non-licensed the original stuff. stuff yeah yeah the original stuff and then death stranding is their final credit they're credited as audio director oh. so yeah mm-hmm. cool and then jenny plant who did the vocals in this track did vocals for other tracks in death stranding and also for a track in ghost of tsushima the she did vocals on way of the ghost cool that's it yeah <laughs> So Lucia, what is out of all the songs that you that you have here and that you've you've performed? Do you have a favorite? Is there one that you're like, I always want to play this song at a at any gig? Yes, my favorite is always, and I think will always be Skyrim. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Very the, cool. The soundtrack of that game is maybe the best, <laughs> almost the best, because there is no war before. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, what's the most trouble that you've ever gotten into in general? Oh, <laughs> uh, for sure, Sephiroth team. Sephiroth team from uh, Final Fantasy VII. It's one of the most difficult in video games. Oh, Absolutely. okay. Absolutely. <laughs> and then our final question of the night. What is the best advice that you've ever been given that you'd like to share with the rest of the world? I received this piece of advice uh, when I was 18 years old, and I always remembered it. It is, uh, recognize your weaknesses and make them your strength. Hmm. It was like really inspiring because I understood that <laughs> some of the most horrible weaknesses I have uh, revealed to be uh, some of the uh, most important things uh, that a person can have. Like, for example, I have an Italian accent. That's a stupid thing. Uh, <laughs> I've always thought that in English, uh, having an Italian accent, uh, it's horrible. Then I came to UK because now I live in UK mm -hmm. and uh, uh, for for everyone, it's the more beautiful accent ever. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's kind of the way Something it goes. Wrong. Yeah, Th yeah. That's, kind of, that's kind of always the way it is. Like if you go to a foreign country, everyone's yeah. like, oh my God, you know, your accent is so gorgeous. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like I'm from Connecticut, lady. Like for real? Like, no, we can't pronounce our consonants. Like... <laughs> <laughs> our our T's and our R's and like forget it. Yeah, They're just out the window. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this was a stupid example. But you can uh, <laughs> adopt this uh, this piece of advice. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, mm. for sure. Very cool. Good words to to end on. So, Justin, what we usually do at the end of the show is we pick our favorite tracks, yeah. and in this circumstance, we're going to pick our favorite 
Lucia track, and we're also going to pick our favorite original. And they don't have to necessarily both be the same. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with our guest of honor, Lucia. What was your favorite song of the ones that we've played of your own? Absolutely Tetris team. <laughs> yep. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and how about for the original versions? I think Bloodburn. Mm. Okay. Fair enough. Justin? Fair enough. So I think my favorite of Lucia's tracks is her version of Aerith's theme. Like I said, I really like what you did at the end there. It just, it felt so much more than the original. Like I, it felt like you added something to, to the original piece, which was great. And then I think my favorite original is actually going to be the Bloodborne theme as well. That one was just, Mm. it was really cool. And having played the game a handful of times, I'm reminded that it has such fantastic music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Pokemon medley for Lucia's. Mm. <laughs> it was just so much fun to hear the her versions of the different Pokemon tracks that I've, you know, most of which I remember, but some of which I didn't. And for the original, I got to go with Aerith's theme from Final Fantasy VII. Fair enough. Mm. So now's the time in the show when we like to make sure that our guests tell everybody what they're working on in the future, where you can find them and uh, make sure that they get the word out. So, Lucia, thanks so much for being on the show. And please tell us uh, where everyone can find you on the web. Thank you so much, guys. So, I am on YouTube as Lucia Larezza, on Instagram as Lucia Larezza, always as Lucia Larezza, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> YouTube, uh, Instagram, TikTok, sometimes, <laughs> if I ate it. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Twitter, and uh, I think that's it. Yes. I will have some live concerts if pandemic will be gone. <laughs> I hope so. Finger crossed. On April, I will be in Liverpool uh, at the uh, Anime and Video Games Con. Oh, nice. And uh, on June, I will be in Cardiff at the Anime and Video Games Con. Uh, so <laughs> let's hope that everything will be fine. Yeah, best Very of cool. luck. I really hope everything you know comes together to allow that to happen. The sooner we can all get out, the yeah. sooner the better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So once again, thank you so much for uh, Lucia Loretza for being on our show. And uh, we will, of course, provide links to everything that she covered and more on our show notes. So definitely make sure that you check those out. Yes. Thank you so much, guys. This was, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was rad. So before we get into our uh, ending, I do want to uh, just give a big shout out. So we are now post Extra Life. Our team made well over our goal. We did uh, we did really well. And I had four donators that actually donated at a $50 donation um, and they get and deserve a shout out on this show. So awesome. I just want to say thank you to Scott McElhone, Thank you to Marcus Stewart. Thank you to Nicholas Cardenas Rada, as well as my old college roommate, Scott Cummings. You guys are awesome uh, for donating to Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Uh, and it was quite a time. I'll also say I had two challenges put before me. Uh, Marcus challenged me to get two crowns in Fall Guys. Uh, I did not succeed. I did get one crown, <laughs> though. 
So that's that's something. Nice. And then Scott challenged me to, in Worms WMD, to defeat everyone with uh, like a prod or the baseball bat, uh, and I did not succeed at that either. That's tough to do. No, it is. I got wiped all yeah. the time. <laughs> Very cool. So we'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon patrons, without whom this show's continued improvement would be impossible. They are Alex Messenger, Cam Worma, Chris Hart, Dan Lawton, Jordan and Anson Davis, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast, Scott McElhone, Chris Myers, Peter Panda, The Autistic Gamer 89, Bedroth, Brad Austin, Chris Murray, Jeremy Rutz, Llama Adam, Marcus Stewart, Matt Hanola, Muddle Madness, Nick Davis, and Ryan McPherson. If you would like to become a patron, you can sign up at patreon.com slash xvgmradio. There you can see the different tiers as well. Just $1 gets you a thank you at the end of the show and access to our monthly live shows. You can visit our website, xvgmradio.com, where you can listen to all the episodes and learn more about your hosts, as well as any of our guests or composers that we've had on the show. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can always email us at xvgmradio at gmail.com. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. You can join our Facebook group and chat with other VGM lovers at facebook.com slash groups slash XVGM radio, where we talk about everything from current game news to sharing awesome VGM tracks or just talking about the podcast itself. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle on both of those sites is at XVGM radio. If you don't have any other social media or just want to try something unique, check us out on our Discord group chat. Links will be in the show notes. Justin, in two weeks, it's that time of year again. What are we doing? Oh, my God. (laughs) So in two weeks, we are going to rein in the cold times with our second Winter Tracks episode. I think we did, what was that, last year or was it two years ago? I've lost track. Last year? I know, it feels like an eternity since last Christmas. But yes, last Christmas time of year, we did Winter Tracks 1, and this time we're doing Winter Tracks 2, Ice Electric Boogaloo. Boogaloo, There we go. Nice. (laughs) If you want to remind yourself about the first Winter Tracks, it was episode 41. You can go back and listen to that and get ready for the sequel. Yes. The Squeakwell. The Squeakwell, yes. Yeah, and we'll be doing another gift exchange like we did last year. We'll be doing it remotely, though, so I have already received in one of Justin's gifts, and it's a doozy, so (laughs) good times. I'm excited to do a little gift exchange with my buddy. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. So in two weeks, we'll see you for Winter Tracks 2. This is Mike. And Justin. Signing off for XVGM Radio. was stunning oh really. for sure that's really cool yeah that's amazing yeah i don't even think i've gone to the bathroom in a hundred different places <laughs> let alone <laughs> let alone let alone played in a hundred different places <laughs> very cool